Hello, this is the ABC of Ita. Yes. Hello, Hello. this is the ABC of Ita. Yes, this is the 14th show. Is this the ABC of Ita? It is the ABC of Ita. Uh, Thank you. Who is uh, there? F89. Who is that? The half of Ita. Ah, greetings. Who is there? It's F78. Who? Phil. Ah. Nice the half of Ita. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. What are we doing today? We're doing something starting with an N. N, like no. Like nowhere. Okay. Or Let's do it. It's either nowhere or near. <laughs> nor one, nor the other. Very nice. Thank you. Shall we start with a word or with a song? Mm, let's start with a song, you know? Okay, let's start a with a song. A sort of difference. Yes, let's do it. back the abc of ita which episode is this 14th 14th yeah more than half of the letters of the alphabet are gone this is a big success big success i never ever 
ever, ever expected that we would reach this point. In, 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 yeah. I didn't trust you. I didn't trust me. I, d- I have trust issues. You didn't trust the situation? I didn't trust the concept, really, to be honest. The concept? The concept is good. The concept is good. The execution sometimes? The not execution so is okay. I think the but concept and the execution, in my opinion, is better than the reception. Yeah? Much better. The reception is not so great. No. But we're doing this for, for the posterity. Grand, for our grandchildren. Yes. <laughs> they can discover it in iTunes. Like half-cooked philosophy beats. Yeah. And, and dated jokes. And opinions. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. Great. So let's take a word. Yes. Friends, the first word of the day is... Is what? Nature. 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 Uh, uh, well, you know, we, you do realize that because we are fita, which means plants, yeah. we have a responsibility. Special, a special relationship to nature. Mm-hmm. It's also physis, which is nature in Greek, which is the real language of the universe. Like physis. It's... <laughs> it starts with the uh, phi, which is also the letter of phita. That's so contrived, my God. <laughs> feces. Yeah. No. What you talk is very frequently feces. <laughs> so, um. Feces. Nature. Y. Nature. Uh, yeah. Um, why did you choose the word nature? What did you wanna, what do you wanna tell us? Uh, so many this things. So many things? Okay, first of all, you know I hate nature. Yeah? Because I grew up in this place with a lot of... Like, I grew up in the countryside and we had... You didn't grow up in the countryside. You grew up in a a small town. No, we had, like, a farm. And pigs and chickens. Not pigs, but we had chickens and rabbits. You had chickens? Yeah. In your house? In my in the house nearby, that was my grandma's. Uh, yeah, grandma's. your grandma's. Whatever. How often did you go there? My father would go every day <coughs> to the chickens. Yeah, to feed them. Oh. Yeah, I am a country. So you always had nice eggs when you grew yeah, up. Yeah, and it was big shock for me coming to the city and like buying eggs from the supermarket. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? What did they not taste good? It's a different genre. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> like uh, metal and industrial. Yeah. It looks like an egg. Mm-hmm. It looks like the eggs from TV. It doesn't taste like what I used to eat. Okay. Same with chicken, to be honest. The okay. meat. Ah, because you were eating the chickens you had there. Yeah, that was like outside. So they were like, uh, how do you call it? Forage. Like It was like wild. Free range, you yeah. mean? No, like the taste is like the the things you kill in the forest. Uh-huh. More so than the chicken you eat in the shops. Well, okay. So, you grew up eating chickens and eggs? Yeah, and like running in the fields. And running in the fields. And as a result, I hate nature. <laughs> Isn't that very normal? <laughs> no, I was like uh, I was not. I was never impressed with nature. Let's say no, never. Why not? I used to have this friend who really liked um, going for explorations of caves, because uh, near Ceres there were these mountains full of caves, 
uh-huh and he really loved uh you know going for cave exploration uh-huh and i always followed him because he was my best friend but i was never particularly interested but I mean, caves are a very specific, specific part, of, part nature. of nature. I mean, almost one could say that you could hate uh, plants and flowers and so on and still love caves in a yeah. way because they have something eerie. Mm. You know, there is all this thing that caves are so mystical and stuff. We never found anything particularly interesting in them. Like, No. Should we say anything interesting about, about nature? nature. No, no, you're I right. Mean, okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't like nature either. But what we, I'm I don't mind swimming in the sea. Oh fuck, swimming in you the sea! You don't like oh. it. Actually, I guess, I guess I hate nature a bit less than you. Yeah, you like swimming. I don't like nature. I wouldn't go as far as that. I like house plants. Is that nature? I don't like animals, as you know. I'm okay with some of them. Um. But I like the unnatural animals, like French bulldogs that have been inbreeding for like centuries. I don't centuries. like them because I don't like suffering and they're not having fun. They're not, yeah. Um, I only like nature when it's like on the internet. I like images of nature, like the Windows XP hills. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, no, I, I like... Uh, for example, when I see images from zoos that have pandas and so on, mm-hmm. I think that's an adorable. But I wouldn't want a panda that smells they and so on. They are in a zoo. They're not na- na- natural. Isn't that part of nature? But like pandas are super unnatural. They cannot even fuck. They have to show them por- panda porn in order to make them reproduce. I love this story. <laughs> but okay, and they eat bamboo that is bad for them, so they cannot move around a lot. That's not the pandas that eat bamboo. The pandas. They do. I thought that's the koalas. The koalas, eat the eucalyptus. Ah, yeah, okay. But okay, let's go back to the main problem. So we come my from the my main problem of nature, and then we go to the big city, and we are happy because we are like queer and there is no social control of the same kind and then we meet these people in the city who love nature yes Be- why because they didn't grow up with nature because they're idiots everyone gro- loves what they don't have in life no it was like Fuavo, didn't you know that they grow up thinking nature is um innocent did they but, but nature is not innocent. Look, Even the caves I was exploring, full of bats and lice. But I'm... Uh, not you know, lies, lice. I have to say that one of the people that have helped somehow my relationship with nature yeah. is Manos, our uh, bot- botanologist friend, yeah. who loves plants. Yeah. I'm not sure if he loves nature in general, yeah. but loves it because exactly he knows that it's not naive and because he knows it's monstrous mm. and mm. Uh, he loves the force, yeah. the catastrophic force of plants, for and example. And anti-humanist in a very literal sense. Yes, and and I, I quite like the that take on nature. I agree. But can and you the previous thing I remember Manus was uh, uh, having sex with dogs from... Uh, Donna Haraway. That escalated <laughs> quickly. Donna has a Donna Haraway has a very good kind of take on nature. I think Manos's version is influenced by her because mm-hmm. she okay. tries to to kind of flesh out a non-anthropocentric kind of um, version of nature. I see. 
Um, what I don't definitely don't like is this new trend of the queer stuff for ecosexuality, as My they say. My God, what is this again? When they have sex with plants. Why do you? Are you king shaming? No, they don't have sex with plants, but it's just this this tendency towards the more pagan kind of mm. natural queer. The problem with nature is that if you like nature, you're a fascist. Usually, yeah. If you look at Switzerland, for example, they like the nature. ecological movement went really bad there. But it's terrible. It's not like the Swiss nature is beautiful or anything. <laughs> well. I found it terribly, terribly slow 3G everywhere. <laughs> the nature in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Let's move into a song. Okay. Da 
So, the ABC of Fita, Fita, Fita is back. We were talking about nature, Fita terrible. being plant, terrible, terrible, terrible nature. The worst place on earth is nature. But what about earth? Isn't earth part of nature? No. No. Okay, let's move into the second word. The second word is... Aren't you part of nature? Nail art. Okay, let's now move into something really important. <laughs> Leaving aside the stupidities of nature and talk about the beauty of, nail. of, of nails. So what happened with nail art in the past 10 years? I don't know. Have you noticed? What? There it's was an explosion. <laughs> it's a social movement? Yes. So many things happened in the nail territory. So I can speak about the Greek experience, to be honest, because I'm, I don't know about the American and the um, British context. Or the Russian, apparently, is the avant-garde. Russia and Ukraine is like the... The, the constructivists of <laughs> nail art. Yeah. Yeah, this is the new Russian like uh, renaissance, I think. Nail art. Combi manicure. Um I know very little about nail it's art. It's like so the Tolstoy of our times. It's very difficult for me to participate very much in this discussion. I will tell you a few things about nail art. Yes. Please do. First of all, all the things I know and you probably the, the little things you know come from our friend and collaborator for Masnu. Correct. Who was invited by FITA in 2013. 13, five years ago. In the Athens Biennale 4 uh, called Agora. Mm -hmm. And she was invited to do some kind of... Nail art project. Yeah. And it was she did like this parody where she did like the so-called traditional Greek nail art uh, that you had to soak your fingers in like Oof. traditional Greek soups. And yeah, and it was um, all patriotic and so yeah, on. Yeah, she put like Greek flags on nails, etc., etc. Etc. Five years later, four, she decided to follow this like career, career path. path. <laughs> yes. And she studied in uh, Miss Cholaki uh, University of Nails in Thessaloniki. <laughs> she decided to, to have a degree in nail art. And she got it? She got it with uh, an excellent... Congratulations. From Congratulations to four. Um, and now she's like, she shares with us the secrets of the this new emerging... Well, she has mostly shared them with you. I don't <laughs> know so much about nail art. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is... I want you to, because this is get going a little bit long. No, no, I won't speak about nail art. Let me do it. Okay, okay do it. <laughs> so 10 years ago, before the crisis started... The Greek women who wanted to take care of themselves, they would go to the hairdresser. It was like a ritual, you know, that's well documented in anthropology, etc. Uh -huh. But then the crisis began and the hairdresser was like too expensive to go every week. Because it's like 30 or 40 euros. Yeah. Right? So this trend emerged going to, f to do your nails. But what do you mean do your nails? Like go to a nail you know, like a specialist. Salon. And yeah, nail salon and have like a treatment, mm -hmm. which is cheaper. Why? But then you feel good because you see your fingers and they're pretty. Why is it cheaper? It's, it's an easier hair. process. Yeah, and it's 
generally like I don't know how who decides what costs what, but it's cheaper. So um, the interesting thing about nail, it's more I guess it's more discreet than hair. Like if something goes really bad with your hair, <laughs> yeah, it really shows. Yeah, yeah. If something goes bad with the nails, I think. Usually doesn't really go, nothing goes terribly bad mm -hmm. with your nails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the thing with nails is that men don't like long nails. On themselves, generally. you mean? No, on women. They don't? Yeah. Really? This is one of the interesting tensions. Like nail art as a trend is something that women decided that they like for themselves. Like that's kind of goes beyond or circumvents the male gaze, in a sense. Really? Yeah, it does. Come on. Surely there is, like, straight pornography with, like, women with long nails You would and be stuff. surprised. I mean, yeah, the stereotype of the bimbo is, like, blonde hair and long nails. But generally, men think that long nails are trashing. Okay. Um and very often on Reddit you will read, oh, why all women have these terrible fake nails? What happened to natural beauty? Blah, blah. Mm. So in that sense, I think that this nail movement is it's very... emancipating. Very emancipatory. And our friend Fo, who is in all these like, Facebook groups about nail politics, <laughs> she, will te she tells us often stories about like, all the feminist debates happening there, how some like nail artists will talk about their experience with trans women and etc. etc. So I think it's a it's an interesting phenomenon. It's obviously like a, related to a working class femininity, uh, especially in the in uh, in the UK is is very kind of uh, related to both black women and also the labor of uh, Asian women because very often it's Asian women doing it. And uh, there are many, many intrigues. It's funny how I'm now that Athens is uh, the center of Athens is becoming kind of uh, in the last few years is becoming interesting yeah. with the influx of uh, refugees, but also immigrants like uh, second generation immigrants right. and all these things. Um, there is um, there are really in the in the neighborhood <coughs> around where I live. It's uh, it's. Um, there are a lot of hair of of uh, nail salons mm -hmm. and and hair salons, uh, like it comes with uh, it, it, like what you're describing this sort of like working class thing. Mm. It's, it seems to be traveling, and it's the same in in London and in Berlin. It's they the neighborhoods kind of come together. They seem to mm. be uh, these nail salons seem to be some kind of women's coming together space. It's a socialization space, definitely. And also, it's a super crafty thing. Like, like the amount of craftiness you need to have in order to be a good nail artist is insane, because it's like such a like little detail you have to paint. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really fascinated by nails. You that you cannot even draw a straight line must be for you impossible yeah, to imagine. For me, it's like yeah, Michelangelo. Let's move into a Let's song. Let's move to a song. It's been a hard, hard days, days, nights, 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 and I've been working, working, working like a dog. It's been a hard, hard days, days, 
Welcome back, the ABC of Hita. Hello from me too. We have a very good word coming up. Do we? Yeah. Drum roll. <laughs> the next word is nominalism. Nominalism. Like, do you know? Do you know the theory of nominalism? I think you know. You tell us the theory of nominalism. Uh, it's like it's also like. We could say names instead of nominalism because it also starts with N and it's very much what we're about to talk about. Okay, go on. So basically it's this idea that the name of a thing defines its, its properties. You know that I'm a huge fan of this theory. A connoisseur. A connoisseur of this theory. I also like the... Um, what... Uh, experimental filmmaker Stan Brakhage once said that the first poem about each object is its name. Ah, that's a really nice. It's thing. very romantic, but it's very nice, actually, isn't it? So nice, so nice, so simple. He said some simple and profound things, and um, yeah, um, I have a particular strand of nominalism that interests me, as you know. Which one? Which is to do with people's names. <laughs> well, that's Both names and surnames. That's not metaphysical. That's like... That's yeah, I don't think it's a metaphysical. It's how people treat you, basically. Yes, I think you're treated differently if you are an Alexander than if you are a George. <laughs> if I you are a George... People, in Greece, for some people in the a, audience, if you are this a is Yorgos, not quite self-evident. Look, if you are a Yorgos in Greece... You have to work against this name all your life. <laughs> I know it sounds difficult to believe, but but this is what it is. Or you have to work against it, or you have to work with it. Like it depends on the field that you're in. If you are in a field that requires uh, the simple folk uh, that are trustworthy, the salt of the earth, as we say, like butcher, great name. You go to Yorgos. You get the best meat. He's very, very honest. He will tell you. And he will tell the you. The meat today, the chicken today is not so fresh. You go to Yorgos. Also good jokes. You don't go to Andonis. Mm. He's much more tricky. So he will if you sell you horse meat. But <laughs> exactly. But if you want to do a career in art. Mm -hmm. And you're Yorgos. Tragic. You have to do like at least 100 adverts first and then you'll make your first movie. Oh, like Yorgos Lanthimos. Exactly. So it's, it's okay. Like you can eventually arrive there, mm -hmm. but it will take you a long time. Also, uh, if, you are, if you are George, right. it's better if you don't have a round face because this will set you at least another 10 years behind. So when can you start doing art if you are like a George with a round face? After 40. Right. Look at Lanthimos. Sure. He it's has a round face. Well, Your theory is very scientific. And, and he started fairly late. So um, recently, yeah. I am, after many years of struggling with Facebook trolls and annoying people, Yeah. Like throughout your life. Throughout my life and trying to find various ways of uh, passive-aggressive bullying, oh, for right. example. I've tried this, I've tried that. 
you know, I've tried calling them old-fashioned ways of, you know, calling someone dumb, or I've tried uh, ignoring them completely, this and that. Recently, I've come across, I've come up with the best way of. Yeah. I've, I've also went. I've also went through when it was straight men. I went through flirting with them, which was also quite successful. Yeah, yeah. But recently, I've discovered the best, mm-hmm. which is if they say something stupid, yeah. you respond to it, and then the last sentence is making fun of their surname. Oh, on Facebook. That's on Facebook. Every surname. I mean, more, more, there are some surnames that obviously are funnier than others. Yeah. But every surname you can find a way to make fun of. True. You can imagine something that the children at school That's so used. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many ways you have justified I, I different like forms <laughs> of bullying in this show. <laughs> I like the fact that, you know, I'm starting from the theory of nominalism <laughs> and essentially... <laughs> from the, every name is a poem. <laughs> yeah. Every name is a bullying opportunity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, though. It's like it goes to the core of, you know, the a- anyone's personality. It's I mean, it's it's incredible. Like, I'm... I'm there, there might be someone who's very aggressive and very, like, a smart ass or something like this. And the moment you make a fun... You make fun of their... You make a joke out of their surname... It all collapses. Yeah. So, somehow the next uh, thing they will write is, how Sad. could you? Yeah, like, yeah. it would imply, uh, how could you do that? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not fairly common for adults to, to in- indulge <laughs> in this kind of... <laughs> it's, it's usually something you stop doing after you're 12, for yeah. example. Yeah. But it's incredible how when people want to be hurtful, <laughs> they don't realize that the best way to be hurtful is to s- source things that you have stopped using for 20 or so years because they are immature. This is the best way of being hurtful. This because obviously... This awful. I'm glad very few people are listening to our show. Children... This is the, the second worst thing we've said after the bisexuality segment. Um, <laughs> An infamous... No, look, I'm not saying people should do it. All I'm saying is <laughs> that I'm building here a vocabulary of people, this. People, don't try this at home. Exactly. I'm building a vocabulary of how people can do that. And I'm think, uh, all I'm saying is that uh, adults may have guns and stuff like that, but they can never reach the pure evil that is children. Yeah. I mean, in the America, children have guns too. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> American children is like the best. <laughs> like children <laughs> with guns. Uh, the pure, uh, unfiltered evilness of children who, you know, would, would coin a term like pizza face, which <gasps> is an extremely harsh, horrible thing, but visually so catchy. It's about people with acne. Yeah. My God, children are so evil. You're right. It, like completely evil. So how could uh, how could an adult, no matter how many many words they can put one after the another, how could they reach this such immediacy, such brilliance of immediacy of insult? Mm. It's not going to be possible, is it? No. Anyway, going back to nominalism <laughs> then. <laughs> I I don't know. I I have this strange relationship with language because mm-hmm. I, it's a bit like in like the show Miranda when Miranda in the middle of things suddenly she says flask. That's a nice word, isn't it? 
thrust, thrust. And then she, like, the narrative stops and she's, like, indulging in these words. Right. Because they are... Or there is this other um, uh, Monty Python uh, sketch about words that are either woody or tinny. I love this, yeah. And, and so the, uh, the, the, the poetry of the sound and the feel of words is something that never stops to amaze me. It's incredible and very little... I don't know. It, it, it is as if after post-structuralism there was such a fascination with the content, with the content and the context that we kind of moved away from the poetics and the kind of the how words resonate. I think in some, uh, to refer to what we talked about two weeks ago, in some uh, meme uh, pages, you, you get a little bit of the poetics of the word. I mean, you do. Uh, when it comes to art, if there is a field where the poetics are relevant, obviously it's the arts, obviously, like both poetry and, and to a certain extent, theater performance etc but um but yeah memes i think they they do play with a kind of the texture of the words and it seems that the internet generally synesthesia likes uh puns well yeah the, which the is internet loves puns i mean this is in, in my opinion puns are the lowest form of dealing with this yeah but it is but in a way it is still yeah dealing with it um, I don't have much more to say about nominalism. Really? Should we go into a song? You don't have other examples of uh, how certain names lead to certain lives? <laughs> no. You know, like for what? For example, that the name Johnny or Yanis is a bisexuality name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These kind of examples. Yeah. I have l- lots of examples. I know. Like that's you why know. I'm like a bit... You know. That the name uh, Alexander is na- a name for architects. Yeah, we should maybe ha- attach uh, an, an appendix to this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With all the names and what what what, what are the results? Of yeah, the what you could do. <laughs> or if you're called Nefeli, that you have to work in the arts. Oh, my God. In a usually annoying way. Oh, my God. All the Nefelis. Poor, poor girls. Okay, let's move to a song then. Okay. My son Andy, Andy Kerr. By the way, my name's Graham Kerr. When my son was just 10, he made his first attempt to follow in my footsteps. And I think he was jolly successful. You know what he cooked? His favorite dish, scrambled eggs. They were soft and creamy, and I really couldn't have done better myself. I'd like to share our secret for perfect scrambled eggs. Just whip four eggs together without liquid. And season them. And then pop them into melted butter. You know, when the butter is just at the point of browning and smells like hazelnuts, that's the time to add the eggs. Stir them rapidly. 
Stir them rapidly. Stir them rapidly. And when they look just right, add a quarter cup of cold milk. This little trick halts the cooking process that so often makes eggs dry. Fresh eggs are one of the world's great delicacies. They deserve to be treated with respect. Right. 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 So, we're back. We're back. How do you feel in today's show? I'm uh, I'm happy. Are I'm you confident? Confident? Full of life. The summer has come. The summer is always in my heart. Is this our our last show before the summer? Yeah, we will do like a summer break. <laughs> I guess we need a summer break. Yeah, absolutely. We've worked very hard this very year. Very hard. We've produced so very much. many projects. So much art. We've produced a lot of art. So much discourse. We've produced also work which uh, others will get the credit for. That's very often the case with us. But because it's we're, okay. It's we're okay. giving. I, we, we don't believe in uh, plagiarism. You know. No. It's like we are going to come up with the idea and you can do your thing. We have countless nipples. We're like As uh, Mikis Todorakis, the... <laughs> The, the, composer. the Greek composer and has said, like how many more nipples should <laughs> I grow for all the Greek composers to suck, to suck on? We, have, we as Vita have plenty of nipples. Plenty, like at least 15. For all, all, the parasites, the, all the Greek uh, art cows to feed on. The conceptual parasites. And yeah, you know, why not? Do conceptual and let them conceptual. <laughs> Didn't work. What? 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 <laughs> it was like a, a live and let live <laughs> oh. thing, you know. Yeah, but let them whatever. eat conceptual nature. Copy left. Um, should we take a word? Yes. No. No. What are you talking about? Let's do some, the other thing we do. Ah, should we do the other thing? The other thing we do. One of the other things. One of them. Philosopher of the week! Do you have a philosopher of the week? I do. I For this week? I'm really ambivalent. I mean... About the philosopher of the week? Mm-hmm. Because it's been a while since I keep doing like these men, these grand men. Are you, do you have another grand man again mm, today? Yeah, I do. How grand? Very grand. On the scale of one to ten? I mean, he's not Plato, but he's kind of grand. Well, if he's not Plato and he's grand, it has to be Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Nietzsche. <laughs> okay. It also starts with N. I entertain the possibility of doing Martha Nussbaum, but I really know nothing about her. And as our audience knows, this segment is not very well researched. <laughs> but at least I have to say something. Something. Okay. 
And Nietzsche, Friedrich, I then. I think for me and uh, for many, like Nietzsche is my first encounter with like, you know, high philosophy. philosophy. Okay. Because it's What does really it mean, high philosophy? Like post-structuralism is not high philosophy, right? It is, it is. Well, like, I mean, with, you know, philosophical texts, they are like, I don't know. You mean serious, not like the, the ancient Greeks? The, the ancient Greeks, the way they are taught in school is irrelevant. It's like not about thinking, it's about memorizing, I don't know, stupid details um, okay. and stuff. I don't think we have philosophical education in Greece. Okay. There is this like really superficial reading of the Greeks, which goes on and on. Um, uh, yeah, and that's it, basically. So, yeah, w- when I was, I don't know, in my late teen years, I was interested in philosophy and I was interested in atheism. So I started reading uh, Nietzsche's Antichrist. I have this really nice anecdote of this friend of mine who teaches uh, philosophy. Uh, and uh, she had like some Jewish students and she was like, oh, we're doing Nietzsche and I would like to ask you, are you uncomfortable with him? With him? And they were like, are you uncomfortable with his anti-Christianism? <laughs> and she was like, okay, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> uh, because he's also a big anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, Although, it's, it's not really it's quite like this, is it? Obviously, because one is, is, like, is like, like, like a... And the other one is and a dogma within which he he operates himself. No, absolutely. I'm not saying and, she shouldn't have. And asked. the other one is, um, you know, uh, talking uh, about others and and not only others, but the most persecuted peoples uh, ever. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm just, I'm not saying she shouldn't have asked. She did very well asking, but I, I it's. When you ask these kind of things, you, you know, could also get this kind, this of, kind of, co- of answer. answers. Absolutely, um, yeah. So Nietzsche, the fascists love him. <laughs> the old right loves him. The we old right lo- loves him too. Yeah. Why? Because they perceive isn't him he a little bit uh, too firm for the old right? Well, they perceive him as the proto nihilist, which, in a certain way, he is. And that's why he really resonates with uh, the teenagers. <laughs> but he's also like a very, very, very nuanced and kind of complex and poetic philosopher. So it's it's a bit unfair to just say Nietzsche is the philosopher of the nihilist teenagers. And also to say that he's the philosopher of the Nazis is also a bit unfair. Yes. So the, 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 the truth is the Nietzsche we have today in the intellectual lefty circle, this is the Nietzsche that Deleuze kind of revisited, and that's good. What is it? You want to tell us quickly? Um. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, it's a new understanding of ethics that goes beho- beyond moralism, and uh, is a, is a, it redefines itself. In a in a I don't know in a dialectic way maybe, um, mm-hmm. and that's really not nihilistic in a, in a sense. It is nihilistic in a sense that it it erases the pre predetermined notions of moral. That's morality. not nihilism. 
it has a nihilistic kind of performativity and like uh, yeah destructing anything not not radical but it's it's actually you know an attempt to build a new morality so or a new non morality new ethics so in a sense it, it is uh politically relevant okay say. oh you chose f- Nietzsche. It's not my fault that you're exhausted. You know, <laughs> there is this book that is really popular in Greece, but it's American, but no one knows about it in the other places of Europe. It's called When Nietzsche Wept. Uh, it's by Erwin Yalom, mm-hmm. who is an American psychotherapist. And it's about this story about how Nietzsche met Freud, which historically would would be possible. They, they both lived in the same place at the same time. But there is no evidence whatsoever that they met. But it's also quite suspicious because Freud, many ideas of Freud's, uncon- of Freud's conception of the unconscious, unconscious are very similar to some of the ideas Nietzsche published the same period, but he's never ever, ever referenced. So it's quite, this is another interesting thing about Nietzsche that is not really interesting. <laughs> Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Let's move into a song. Yeah. Thank you. 
So, your favorite yeah, show is back. Yes. Ah, uh, this year is our uh, fifth year of doing this show. Yes, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yes, we finally arrived to the fourteenth episode after all these years of pain hard and labor, <laughs> strife. Um, and uh, did you Im- imagine? Did I back uh, in uh, 2012? that we will have such a large body of work when we started. Did you mm-hmm. imagine that? Well... Remember the days of how we used to be so naive. Yeah. And I, I am also like not a very particularly hard-working person, so I never aspired to a large body of work. So And it has happened. So it's probably not me. <laughs> well... Pushed towards that direction, let's say. I have many ideas, many ideas. But you always had uh, a lot of ideas about what we should do, but never any <laughs> energy to implement. So I am using an indirect way. I know. I'm to trying to get follow into the the next word topic. The next word is nostalgia. 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 La 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 la. La 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 la. The good old times. You like nostalgia. I like nostalgia? <laughs> Fuck off. We have all these records. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you something which I haven't really quite formalized exactly in my, in my head. Okay. But I'm looking at it. I'm I'm working at it recently Mm -hmm. because the question of okay you are the ABC of Fita and Mm -hmm. you're uh, you know edgy and uh, current and contemporary art and you know and then you play all this old music why do you do that Mm why do you play mostly let's say if not all mostly old music old music we play Um, why explain to me because I want to play Shakira in the S episode. You want to play Shakira? Shakira. Shakira, Shakira. Um, I think uh, the thing about nostalgia is a very tricky thing because I think um, if I was particularly attached to the 90s, yes, this would be nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But I'm not particularly attached to the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm particularly attached to a period that I was three years old. Mm. So either we're, either we're talking about something more psychoanalytic here, something much more much deeper in terms of how an aesthetic is formed by very early experience. Right. So something to do with analog synthesizers having been written on my baby DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Or something else. Okay. And I think the something else bit which interests me, Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily... This is, as I said, this is a a sort of theory that I'm, I'm... Still formulating. I'm still formulating. It's something to do with the fact that in order to feel that 
the reason why I am attached to those particular things that happened then is exactly because I want to be able to understand what is of the now. So, I, so it's, a, it's, a, it's essentially a theory that has to do with the necessity of archiving. And I think this is something that has grown in me, particularly in my Berlin years. Mm -hmm. I think I, 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 you know, I, because for example, Pod, which is my biggest archiving project, right. post-punk oddities, where I archive these, m most of these bands that we play anyway, or projects, yeah. is something that I did in my, in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to do with archiving and knowledge that interests me for exactly the opposite reasons of nostalgia. What is the opposite of nostalgia? Is, uh, is living the present. Is knowing the present. Is understanding time. Is, is having a reflexivity of when, you know, you have like, your arrows pointing towards the past or the, the future. I see. Um, I, I think part of nostalgia, uh, if for very many of these cultures, like uh, Mediterranean cultures, for example, where the most nostalgia plays an important role, yeah. is to do, a big part of this is to do with a lack of proper archiving of history. Mm. And look, what I'm saying methodologically isn't something crazy. If you have something which you have monitored very clearly and you have archived very clearly, you cannot romanticize it in the same way. That's why I'm very because interested. Because you see the, the, the negative yeah, aspect. because you see it exactly how it was, or yeah. more or less. That's why I'm, I'm really interested to see how nostalgia will develop mm -hmm. in the digital, for the digital generations. Right. Um, so essentially what I'm, what I'm doing, I think, with the post-punk stuff is I am, on the contrary, trying to correct some notions that have to do with the way that this period is perceived as something, and I want to right. offer other things. I'm not saying that I don't think it's a good period, and I'm, I'm not. I don't. I don't think that w believing that nostalgia is a stupid feeling should mean that we should not be interested in the past. I think this is this is stupid. The notion that we're not interested in what has happened before us is stupid, and right. I don't think it has anything to do with nostalgia. I think nostalgia is romanticizing a particular moment of your own experience. You cannot be nostalgic of something that happened in the 17th century. There is like this notion of like, let's say, a social or sociocultural nostalgia, I don't know, of like the 60s as a revolutionary period or, you know, stuff like that. Isn't that... I'm not sure if it's exactly the same. It's not, it's not. Um, yeah, I guess the personal experience... You're talking about an, an imaginary... You know, an, when nostalgia past. gets into an imaginary past. Or a nostalgia of the ancient Greek glory, for example, for the Greek nationalism. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I guess, I guess you're right, and this is also a sort a form of nostalgia, um, an unlived nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, psychoanalytically speaking, nostalgia as a, as a psychological mechanism, it always has to do with this, um, this conception of uh, uh, an innocent past before the alienation of language. Yeah, yeah, right. So like so because we feel that as babies we were happy and we lost that because of language and society we tend to believe that before our birth things were better but that's why for example I'm particularly interested in discovering the complexity of the post-punk years right. because I want to debunk myths about simplicity or uh Right. immediacy or pu- or purity or or naivete or something like that. No, no, like I, this. I think I understand your point. It and I, and I think and I think that's why I think it's a fine line. I'm not saying it's it's clear and of course uh, maybe a word that could connect the archivist and the n- nostalgic is fetish. Mm-hmm. They both have a fetish with something that has already happened, right? But one of them is, uh, you know, aims at a, a rigorous and methodological uh, deconstruction mm-hmm. of of something that has happened in order to bring it critically to the present, right? Whereas the other one, ne- uh, you know, neglects the present for an imaginary past. So it's o- almost like polar opposite uh, positions, if you know right. what I mean. I don't know. I'm just. Me personally, as you know, I'm 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 crushed emotionally by both um, approaches, so I'm, I'm, I'm I wouldn't be able to really deal with it. But I see like the importance. I I, I I I understand that I cannot imagine you being a historian in any way. In any way, yeah. Um, Even like notions of like being a historian of the future, like trying to think of the future is really stressful to me emotionally like any kind of categorizations of facts in like in a system makes me um, nervous this is a bit more general <laughs> okay <laughs> any <laughs> any kind of continuous discourse in any way makes me nervous um, yep. yeah no, but I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I wanted to say this because I think nostalgia is a, is not something I aim for, and yet the understanding of the past is something that really interests me. Right. So there is a. There is a distinction. Or at least for now, I would say there's a clash there, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in this kind of clash. Okay. And I would never, I would be. A, a complete idiot if I would ever said that I don't have a fetish for these post-punk years, for example. Right. But I'm hoping that it's not nostalgia, that it's something else. Okay. Let's go to a nostalgic song. Thanks. Badeschwamm. 
So, hello. Do you know what time it is? Oh, what time is it? Uh, my usual question towards you about time, which only signifies one thing. What does it signify? Don't you know? Mm, no. You're lying. Do I know? Let's see. Mm-hmm. Poetry time. Did you know? Ah, that time. Don't, of the uh, show. don't, ah, uh, me. You knew, you knew. Because every time in every show, yeah. I ask it in the same way. Do you know what time it is? Do you ask me the same thing? Yes, yeah, so that the machine can answer what time it's it is. It's been a while since, of, uh, since our last show took place. Really? And I forgot about it. Have you? Mm-hmm. But you really knew. Deep inside. Also, I'm going to tell our audience that you didn't have many poets, f- starting with an N. <laughs> what you is this like? <laughs> telling the teacher. You didn't want to do Pablo Neruda? No, I hate Pablo Neruda. Why? It's a bit Neruda. Menda? It's a bit Neruda. Neruda, like... like w- Flaccid. What? <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit flaccid. Um, Spanish omelette. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish omelette sounds much more exciting than what it actually is. When I was young, I read Neruda and I found it, uh, uh, it moved His me. eggs with um, potatoes. <laughs> it, he's a bit eggs with potatoes. It moved No, I me. like Neruda also. I don't think he's terrible. I just don't think we should read him. Is it because you are racist? <laughs> Look, okay, I got someone white for you instead. Thank you. That makes me so much more comfortable. I chose uh, this time um, the poet myself because my uh, collaborator I had, couldn't. Lorraine Niedegger, who is one of the few women, uh, how it's called, the object poet. of his poets. <laughs> no, there are many women. <laughs> Oh, she has like this kind of high quest poetry that I like, but it's not good to read here. Like, no, to it's not good as spoken word. It's good to read here on on 
On paper. On paper. Um, so, okay, I, I, I chose instead another person who is um, not so much known as a poet, but also has written poems and also has... Um, she had an interest in what is called film poetry, the mm -hmm. hybridic uh, film poetry that you, you know that I've written about and I'm interested in. Yeah. It's called... She's called Anais Nin. Oh. And... Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I'd like to read a, a, a poem by her, a very short poem called Risk. Mm -hmm. And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. The use of the word risk, interesting word. What I would like to do, um, I mean, I have, I've, re I've, I've noted a couple more because, you know, mostly she has these short things. And actually, interestingly, similarly to Neruda, she's one of these people who um, are quoted a lot by the inspirational internet. Right. Because she has a lot of love uh, haikus like this. Right. So if you put a nice nin in Google image search, you get all these flowers with uh, some text on it um, so instead of uh, reading more I'm going to do something different mm -hmm. you like different I like different something we haven't done mm -hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a short extract mm -hmm. from her reading um, a poem herself mm. um from the film Bells of Atlantis of 1951 by Ian Hugo. Yeah. Uh, one of the first poetry, hi hybrid poetry films. And um, it's a nice uh, combination of electronic sounds and, uh, and spoken word. Sounds lovely. So uh, let's listen to a bit of that because it's actually quite long. So we're going to listen to an extract. An extract, okay. And then we come back in a minute. I am of the race of men and women who see all things through a curtain of sea. I remember my first birth in water. I sway and float, stand on boneless toes, listening for distant sounds, sounds beyond the reach of human ears. 
seeing things beyond the reach of human eyes. Born full of memories of the bells of Atlantis, always listening for lost sounds and searching for lost colors. Lost in the colors of Atlantis, the colors running into one another without frontiers. It was like yawning. I loved the ease and the blindness of the suave voyages on the water, bearing one through obstacles. Far beneath the level of storms, I slept. I moved within color and music, like inside a sea diamond. There were no currents of thoughts, only the caress and flow of desire. Mingling, touching, traveling, withdrawing, wandering, the endless bottoms of peace. So after Hello. this lovely extract, the ABC of Fita, we're back. Did you like the extract? I really like it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, she she was one of the people that believed in the idea that you can put words and images together and sounds and create like an amalgam of things. Mm -hmm. Other people really didn't like this idea uh, yeah, in the modernist film circles. I see. I really like this film. Obviously, it's radio, so the, f the audience cannot <laughs> see, the see the film. But um, if you have YouTube, you can see it. You can see it. it's not very good and if quality, like, but you know, if you are like able-bodied and stuff, some people cannot see in general. Okay, so um, we've we've reached. The end of our show? Really? Well, That's I mean, not really the end of our show, but the last word of our show. Yeah. Um, 
What did you think of today's show? show? Because it was the end show. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of, you know, like negativity. Negativity. Like, like a bit of resilience. Resilience. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> we were resilient. A bit resilient. It was like, it was like do you want that? Nah. Do you like to do that? Nah. Uh, would you like to make this show interesting? Nine. Uh, would you like some ice cream? No, ne, in Greek. Would you like uh, to uh, uh, talk about the future? Ni. Would you like to talk about the past? Na. Would you like... See, it's, it's, it was this kind of show. Yeah. A sort of no show. It's stubborn. Naborn. Naborn. Naborn show. <laughs> And yeah. um, so when you have this kind of negativity, you can't really you can't create really something very spectacular, can you? It doesn't flow very well, yeah. It doesn't flow. But, but at least we've managed it. I think we... Do you think many people could do two hours every, every two, two weeks? weeks? Yeah, I think quite a few people could you do You think? That. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And have so many conce- concepts to discuss. Well, that's uh, I mean, a different you, story. You understand my worry. My worry is that we have done the end show. It has been a medium show, let's yeah. say. Mediocrity. Mediocrity, yeah. Medium. Uh, um, what are we going to do? With the O show, which it's is, of course, a very challenging letter. So we will letter. do the summer break, so we'll think a lot about it. True, true. That's the summer break. So we'll have to figure it out uh-huh. in our brains and hearts. And then we come back. So what is the last word of the day? The last word of the day is negation. Ah, This show closes aptly then, huh? Mm-hmm. Negation. Is it the same as negativity? No. Is it very different to negativity? It's very different. Very different. Because I'm also interested in negativity. Well, we don't have time to discuss both. So mm. let's do negation. Okay? okay. Is that fine? Negation, do you know how negation Cause is? Because I like ne- negativity connects also to like queer theory a little bit. I mean, stuff. I think we did a little bit on negativity when we discussed Sarah Ahmed in our first show. Okay, all right. So for people who are interested in negativity, they, they can, can go, go to, to the Sofita A and listen to that. So negation in German is Verneinung. Uh-huh. Not an end word, but that's what Freud used. And it's a psychoanalytic concept. So it's going to be fun. Yes. <laughs> fun, 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 fun. Fun with Sigmund Freud. Fun with Sigmund Freud. Freud means joy, anyway. So. Um, so, negation. So it's one of the, mechanism, uh, the mechanisms. Does he talk about his name? Talking yes, about nominalism. Bit, Does he say, I'm Freud and it's... I'm, I'm not happy. That I'm the w- world of joy. I'm Freud and I like cocaine because it brings me joy. <laughs> he doesn't say that. <laughs> but Lacan really likes this element of Freud's like 
name being a joyous name. Does he talk about his name? Jacques Lacan. Yeah. I'm not sure. No one talks about their own names. Isn't it crazy? It is a bit crazy. Maybe he does. I haven't read all of the seminars. But the ones I've read? No mention. No mention. He only bullies the students. <laughs> um, so negation. Uh, so basically it's one of the mechanisms that our ego has to protect us from our unconscious thoughts that are so difficult to process in our everyday lives. And the most famous example, which is kind of part of the pop culture nowadays, is that uh, this, the analysant says to the analyst, I've, se I've, se I've dreamt of this woman, but she's not my mother. And the analyst knows that this woman somehow is related to the mother. Do you follow my... This is related to pop culture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what way? The not my mother joke is very popular in the pop culture, in the Simpsons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the Olympic Games, in the advertising. <laughs> it's everywhere. And then there is the Zizek joke. I would like a coffee without milk. And the waiter says, we have no milk. So the guy says, then I want it without cream. This is not going very well. I thought you would help me animate <laughs> this term. <laughs> and you leave me alone with <laughs> negation. I think it, you <laughs> deserve to be alone with like negation. Oof. But the point is that... Yes. This is the important bit about negation. The fact that the analysant says, I saw that woman, but she's not my mother. It does not mean that he wants to say... I want to have sex with her. I, he doesn't want to have sex with his mother. He wants to have sex with his not his mother. It's a different signifier. And it's really important. I cannot explain why I'm like really tired. <laughs> Let's leave I, it there. I think the what made this um, segment particularly <laughs> difficult was the claim of, and I'm going to tell you now something which has been appropriated and used frequently in pop culture. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's see where this is going. <laughs> And um, I don't think it, um, <laughs> it went wasn't like somewhere that. where it's like, let's say, billboards around us. Well, Freud, he's the father of modernity, according to some people. <laughs> I don't remember. And everything you see around you, like advertising, um, media cultures, everything is like, is basically Freud's theory. He invented everything. If you read his book on dreams, this is our media reality. So, even if you no, don't understand why negation is everywhere, mm -hmm. negation knows. <laughs> or, should I say, not knows. <laughs> Doesn't know. Thank you. No, thank you for giving me this opportunity to explain psychoanalytic theory in clarity and rigor. 
thank you for having the opportunity to not listen. <laughs> Very appropriate because we have so few listeners. The negation of, of listening the <laughs> of audience. Thank you very much. This is the end of the ABC of ITA. The it N episode. We didn't deal with that. Yeah. The N episode will shall be the episode before our break for the summer. The number. We need to say uh, to our audience, uh, um, have a good summer. Yep. Enjoy the good weather for especially the ones who live in places that actually do have summers. Um we're hoping Because our Australian audience now they end the winter. Do they? Yes, it's the opposite. But they never really have winter there anyway. I don't think so. I think Melbourne has a winter. Really? Mm -hmm. And obviously our audience our Australian audience is for Melbourne and not Sydney. Really? Because Sydney has too many homosexuals. They only like Eurovision. In Sydney? Yeah. In and Melbourne? They have, and they have to wake up really, really early, like four o'clock in the morning to, to watch it. Really? Because now Australia participates also. It's all Sydney's work. Well done. The opera to and the, Eurovision. To the <laughs> gays of Sydney for their... Uh, achievements uh, yeah they might not have marriage equality but they do have eurovision participation they might actually have gay marriage anyway it's uh, important we shouldn't spread fake news you always spread fake news it's true but i'm not happy with that i would like to be different you would like to be real Huh, that's why we Google things. Oh, yeah, they approved it. They approved it recently. So, um, after negation... 2017, they approved it. It's not like they had gay marriage... Like Greeks. ...in the 80s. Right. So, quite backwards then. And I mean, do we know... If we know something about Australia? Is that this a very backwards country? Settler colon colonialism? Look... Killing all the natives, taking their lands. It's time Sending for us to, to say goodbye to the audience. Okay, let's say goodbye. Neurovision. Neurovision. Um, let's say goodbye forever. Or not forever, for, for a few months. Thank you very much to those who have come all the way to the end of the end episode. Yeah. Um, it's been a moving experience. Difficult, challenging letter. And thank you for uh, listening to all our previous shows, to those of you who have. And uh, we see you in the new year, academic year. The new academic year, yeah. Bye. Bye-bye from us. Ciao.
This is Dutchboard Little Plastic Games. When you enter these are the first things you see. But you have to buy because of the shoes and all my songs standing in the front of Jacob Pie. No, I remember when I was a child. I went to supermarket to buy little cars and trains. I like the cars of a bio tennis and I want to collect everyone. Thank you.